Hi, welcome back to Real Arabic Podcast. I am Amr, and in this episode, Kira interviews Ben and Megan, who founds Alfusic, a platform filled with interesting resources for learning Arabic and for learning about the Middle East. Alfusic is a partner of Real Arabic, and we look forward to work together to bring you interesting resources to help you with your Arabic learning journey. If you like this podcast, you can support us through our Patreon account or you can share it with your friends. Thank you. So, hi, Ben and Megan. It's really lovely to have you with us today, this evening, this afternoon for you guys. Uh, thanks for joining. Um, and really excited about this new partnership. Thank you so much for having us. We're undoubtedly connected here in this Arabic language learning Middle East space. And so to <laughs> stay connected is really wonderful. Thanks again for hosting us. It's great to be here. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Um, so I think maybe to, to kick off, it might be really nice if you kind of tell us a little bit about kind of your background and how did you end up interested in the MENA region? Big question. Um, I'll go first uh, and then we'll have Megan follow. Um, so my background is specifically in, in peace building, um, interfaith Middle East peace building specifically. Um, I got connected to it because I was always interested in global affairs. And right when I was finishing up high school is really when the Arab Spring began. And so all of the social science seminars, the model UN conferences and everything I did in high school preparing me for college and onwards was very um, Middle East Arab Spring focused. And there was a big part of me that was confused on why all of the news media was so negative towards the Middle East region as a whole. It was violence and terrorism and oil and negativity and death um, everywhere. And I just felt like that was incorrect. I, I met several um, Iraqis from Atlanta, where I'm originally from, um, on like an exchange program who were lovely, the same age as me and, and really great friends. You know, I learned some basic Arabic and whatnot. And got really excited to have this cultural exchange moment. And yet seeing Iraq and other Middle Eastern countries on the news media, you know, as a decimated, horrible place, um, which is, you know, obviously not true. And, and so when I switched to university, the, the biggest thing I looked for in, in, you know, higher education was a chance to study abroad, to explore the globe, to figure out what part of the region I was most interested in. Um, and when I took my first, you know, week of classes, I fell in love with Arabic and you know, deepened my Middle East connection from the end of my high school experience uh, to, you know, now what I do now. Um, I studied abroad um, or did an exchange six times <laughs> during my undergraduate, um, all six of which were in the Middle East, uh, all six of which had an Arabic component, and five of those I lived with homestays. I, you know, spent almost 46% of my undergrad in the Middle East, um, which is a, a metric I'm very pleased with. And to, to me, the, the best way to actually understand the language, culture, community, people, religion, etc., is to physically be there. And so I kept going back, um, you know, six times throughout my, my bachelor's degree. I did my master's in England and studied abroad twice during my master's also in the Middle East region. Um, and now I'm a PhD student deepening my, my awareness of Middle Eastern peace dialogue and interfaith connections. All about to say is that it really sort of sparked with this a uh, critical look of there is no way that the Middle East is only this place of violence and un unraveling and unrest. I, I don't believe that to be true. Um, and to sort of have that larger critical look at um, what was being presented to me as long with meeting local people from that community 
who uh, helped me see a much wider perspective, led me down this, this crazy path. Uh, when I moved to DC uh, a couple years ago, that's wh- uh, where Megan and I met at the Arabic discussion group, which is full of young professionals um, in DC who want to enhance and continue their Arabic learning. Um, and you know, Megan can talk a little bit more about what brought her to that group. But for me specifically, I want to be connected to a community of people who are interested in the region, not just from a security or political standpoint, although that is important, but from a cultural one. Um, and being surrounded by you know young people in DC going to embassy events or you know movie nights or shawarma days or <laughs> whatever it might be, um, but really celebrating um, what this uh, Middle East culture has to offer um, was something I really, really resonated with when I moved to Washington, D.C. And I think that was one of the initial sparks for Alf Mosaic. I mean, not only because Megan and I have that shared interest, but that group and the community that was built around the Arabic discussion group here in D.C. kind of led to the creation of Alf Mosaic, which I know might be some questions later. So I'll, I'll stop there and throw to Megan for her fascinating backstory to the Middle East. Thank you so much, Ben. You covered so much of our joint experience, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, And my journey was somewhat similar to yours in the sense that I came to college. I knew I wanted to do international studies uh, as a as a major, I focused on Arabic because I'd been focusing on Chinese for a while, and um, I am Chinese, and it just kind of kicked my butt a little too much, and so I wanted to switch over to something with an alphabet. Um, once I got there, I also studied abroad. I was in Israel, Palestine, and Jordan, um, and we were doing peace building um, activities, and that included meeting with everybody from all walks of life, uh, different NGOs, as well as high-ranking generals, known politicians, communications officials. Um, and I think what I really appreciated from those experiences was really just being able to understand that a lot of the time in in our world today, and particularly when it comes to Southwest Asia and Middle East as a topic, um, we we constantly fall on one or the other side of a party line or a political belief. Um, now, I'm not here to tell anyone that their political beliefs or party lines are incorrect, um, but quite the opposite. I think that one of the issues that Ben and I saw when we came together in Young Professionals um, in Foreign Policy Firstly, was that we were being taught about the region incorrectly (laughs) Um, a little bit, just in the sense that uh, we definitely learned how to say uh, which is United Nations um, or, you know, the words for car bomb or (coughs) sorry. A terrorist attack before we were even able to say simple things like chairs or dog. It's it's it was just a little bit frustrating. And I think that being able to have a dialogue about some of these ideas that we have about the region, um, but mostly deconstructing those beliefs is really, really important. So again, we are definitely not here to say party lines are incorrect, political beliefs are incorrect, because a lot of people's ethics fall along those party lines. But at the same time, we are here to open up the floor for conversation about where some of the beliefs that we're seeing um, in traditional IR international studies spaces um, and where those those are coming from. And I think that being able to dive 
further in to politics and um, controversial language in the sense that uh, we want to understand where it comes from and why we use it and and all that all that good meaty <laughs> uh, understanding of academia and then applying it really to the real world um, and how that kind of influences the way that we we live and we work and we interact with other individuals and other cultures. Super interesting and really, really great to hear about your background. I'm stuck on two things. Number one, how do you even study abroad six times in one undergraduate? I genuinely want to ask you more about that later. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> and number two, of course. I've never thought about Arabic as having an e like being an easier language because it actually has an alphabet. And you've really just like I feel like my mind has just been slightly blown because you've really put that in perspective. <laughs> I think what I absolutely love about Arabic, particularly when I was first learning, was understanding the overlaps it actually had with other languages like Spanish. So I took Spanish when I was much younger in elementary school and a little bit in middle school. Um, so that was probably six years of my life, seven years of my life. Um, I took Chinese outside of school for eight. And the issue with Chinese, not to make this podcast about um, Chinese at all, is that a lot of the words are just pictures in lines and so unless like there are some roots in the sense that like a box means a mouth so you'll find a box in words that are like to eat um but then you'll also find a box in how to write the word of like a question mark um and that's just super frustrating so yeah i think particularly for arabic uh when i started it it was just so foreign to me um, and I think as, as I, I can speak for everybody who's probably listening and everybody who's here now, for sure, uh, Arabic's such a beautiful language. You know, you sit there, you listen to some of the music, um, and you listen to people, you know, read the Quran. And it's just, it's just so beautiful to kind of sit and enjoy, even if you don't understand what's going on. I love Arabic, all for the reasons Megan said. But for me, I, I think... The root system specifically, if you know three letters, you are automatically know like 60 words in Arabic as long as you follow the patterns and the reflection and add the pronouns as previous because blah, 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 blah. It, there's something so, um, okay, I say this with a grain of salt, easy about as soon as you know the patterns and the the root itself, you can start to, you know, construct sentences and, and when a new word comes across you don't know, if it's you know, you can figure out what the root is by breaking down all of the roots and endings. There's something about that that's really comforting to me. I mean, yes, it's a different direction from um, English that I am a native speaker of. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sounds and uh, all the cursive and that there's no vowel markings. Yes, of course, a lot of things are difficult about it. But I think what I've loved so much about Arabic is that as soon as I started to pick up those patterns, it made the language learning a little bit more simple. And that's honestly one of my favorite parts of the Alphuzaig website uh, is our roots corner. We only have about 10 roots to start. We're growing and adding more as we go. But for those that are really interested in learning Arabic specifically, um, you know, there is that that space there. Um, for me to study about six times, though, to answer your other question, um, I didn't do the internship or, you know, work study or whatever life each summer. I studied abroad instead. So I, I went abroad every single summer and then two full semesters. Um, and I just kept looking for opportunities to to travel the globe. I went with 
five different programs. Uh, I did one program for two summers, but five different programs throughout, um, all throughout the region. So I did two programs in Morocco, two programs in Jordan, one program in Oman, and one program in Lebanon during my bachelor's degrees. Um, and just different, you know, parts of all of those countries, different, you know, focuses. Some of them were political. Some of them were just language learning. Some of them were, were peace and conflict studies. Um, but for me, I just knew that the best way to deepen my awareness of a region that I don't have any connection to is to live there as often as I could and to live with local. So I lived with homestays, five of those six programs as well. Um, and I'm still in contact with most of my host families uh, since, which is uh, something I really cherish as well. I will also brag really quickly about Ben. Not only did he study abroad six times throughout his undergrad, but then he continued to just study abroad, um, even a little bit into his PhD program. So sorry, Ben, to, to out you on that one, but you should definitely talk a little bit about your grad programming as well. I'm happy to. I love studying abroad. It's the best. Um, you know, please always out me when it comes to studying abroad stuff. Um, that was something I looked for when I was looking for undergraduate schools um, and continue to do all the time now. Um, by the time I was 23, I visited 46 countries, um, which is a, a sentence I very much love to to uh, cherish and tout. Um, yeah, so during my, my bachelor's was four years in the United States, studied abroad, you know, 46% of that time in the Middle East. Um, then my master's was in England, uh, focusing on, on peace building and again, Middle East politics. Um, and during that program, I did two additional study abroad trips um, to Tunisia and to Lebanon, um, both of which were looking at local politics, um, things on the ground, um, Arabic component as well. Neither of those were homestays, but they were more sort of professional master's overlaps. Um, and then now I am a PhD student also at a British university, um, but focusing on Oman and Lebanon specifically and the interfaith connections and dialogue, peacebuilding practices of those two countries, um, which you know, will have a lot more, I guess I'm calling that more fieldwork because it's a PhD research, but you can also call that studying abroad <laughs> to bring me back to the Middle East uh, as often as I can. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like an amazing experience. I'd love to hear about every single one of them. Um, but I'm going to kind of, ask a little bit more about Al Fusek. You mentioned there the Roots Corner, which actually I hadn't realized that you have, and I just found it was super cool. Um, but can you tell us kind of a little bit more about what is Al Fusek? Uh, what is the, the goal and how how did you guys go about conceiving it? And how does it, how does it all work? Sure, I'll start. Um, and then Megan will fill in all the things I definitely will miss. Um, so Alphuzaic to start is, um, the name itself is something that I think Megan and I are, are really, really proud of. Um, it's a really cool combination of, I think, the best language out there, which is Adarbizi, which is when you merge Arabic and English together to make new words. Um, so Alphuzaic is technically Alphusefusa and Mosaic. They both mean the same thing, but we purposely pushed them together. Um, as a quick little aside, our original idea was Moomtastic. Mumtaz fantastic. Again, they mean the same thing. But there's a a mom association group online called Momtastic, and we just didn't want to <laughs> uh, get in any any space with them. Also, we wanted something that was more about cultural connection and stuff. So Alphuzaic was better that way. But it's <laughs> a fun little tidbit. Um, anyways, yeah. So so Alphuzaic really is is a space to 
cherish the mosaic of culture, identity, perspectives, the physical mosaics of the geography and the Arabic Islamic architecture, all of the above. Um, it's really a space to uh, and a platform to cherish, showcase, celebrate, engage, critically analyze, critically analyze, engage with aspects of the Middle East region. And as you explore on our website, alfusaic.net, A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C, .net, you'll see so many different tags and hyperlinks and like organizational uh, networks throughout the website. You know, we've, we've organized our site into four major sections. And in all of those sections, there's a lot of dropdowns. So if you're super interested just in history, that's your thing, then you can go to the history tab on our site and play with all the articles throughout our entire website that are related to history in some way. Um, and that's true for all of the articles we have. We have this huge tagging system. We have over 500 articles in the 18 months that we have been active um, from our 130 different content writers from 37 different countries, um, all to really celebrate this mosaic, hence our name, um, of culture, of history, of articles on you know music or movies that they love, of you know hummus recipes or travel blogs, whatever it may be. Um, there, there's something really special about uh, giving a platform to people to focus on any dimension of the Middle East. You know, we have a rigorous editing process and hyperlinking and content guide and, you know, all of these things, but we also have, you know, podcasts on our site, uh, interactive maps, videos that were created by our content writers, long form articles, infographics, slideshows, so many more as a way of, of allowing people and our writers to showcase their info, their knowledge, their idea, excuse me, their ideas, you know, throughout our site. Um, That's really what Alphuzaic has become now and and really has grown in this 18 months since we launched. I think it it began, if I remember correctly, Megan, as uh, an article that we wanted to co-write about the 2020 Democratic candidates for president and their Middle East uh, foreign policies. And we just kept getting turned away. We wrote it in Arabic and English. It was a lot of fun, but we kept getting turned away because it wasn't opinionated. It was just factual. It was That's where we started, right? I do remember that. And I can't believe you brought that up because I had completely forgotten until you just mentioned that. Um, but I think, yeah, we so we wrote this piece and we wanted it to be basically just analytical so that people could come and interact with it and... Um, even dialogue with us, right? In the sense of saying like, hey, I think that Elizabeth Warren is a little bit more left on this issue than she is on right. Um, or we thought that Bernie was centrist because of X, Y, and Z. And and this is where we think that he would actually end up uh, moving the needle on this issue. And a lot of people just said, hey, no, you need, you need an opinion. You need to say who's the best. You need to trash all the other candidates. Um, and that is the, the outline, basically, for an opinion piece about candidates. And I think the thing that Ben and I stepped away from, Ben coming from a very peace building uh, space and myself coming from a very a security space, is in peace building and in security, you're not really trying to... Um, you're not really trying to play a winning game where you say, okay, well, this person wins a point and that person wins a point. And because of each point that we've tallied up over the past 50 years, this is where the fight should end up being, right? I think I'm very much from an analysis side 
And so I really appreciated just being able to engage with information and informing voters. Um, I think when Ben and I started talking about Alphuseic as a bigger part of a, a business rather than just, you know, us publishing articles or us uh, making a podcast, um, we we did want to bring people together 100%. We wanted a space where young professionals who didn't have a lot of experience um, could could get published, could interact with other young professionals. Um, we wanted to create a space for networking. And so tons of our fellows have been able to move on to be um, young professional and foreign policy fellows, writers, um, Middle East Institute uh, individuals, um, and then Turkish Heritage Organization fellows. Ben and I actually were both Turkish Heritage Organization fellows. Um, I ran a podcast, Ben wrote a bunch of articles, uh, and went on a few trips, I believe. Um, and then, and then we were able to push that experience, um, I don't want to say push it off onto anybody else, but we were able to, uh, introduce that experience to some of our other writers. So we, we started off with that a little bit and, one of the things that we noticed, and I'm sure everybody else who is in this space notices, is that whenever you publish anything about anything, you get feedback, um, critical or otherwise. And it would be one thing to say, hey, guys, if you like it, like it. If you dislike it, dislike it, right? Because there, there is that aspect of the internet where, where people are not ready to disengage. But I think um, I was listening to a podcast recently about how some of the more popular social media platforms maintain engagement, right? And the way in which they maintain engagement with you as a user is to elicit really large emotional reactions to the things that you're engaging with, because that then automatically, based on data analytics, leads to a longer period of engagement. So that inherently comes down to um, people putting something very hateful in front of your face and saying, hey, like, what do you think of this? And then everybody reacts. You post it. People in your space react to you posting it. Other people not in your space, in your friend's 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 space, are all of a sudden reacting to your reaction of something that happened. And while that's good for making money um, and for building a platform that relies on engagement and advertisement. Ben and I did not want to be like that. Um, that's kind of where we came from, where we said we don't want to publish any opinion pieces. Um, we will publish somewhat analytical pieces, but uh, we've we've definitely had to go through some of our own pieces even and take out take out opinionated statements. Um, only because there's there's a lot of history that needs to be addressed. There's a lot of understanding um, that needs to be talked about before you're able to even broach a topic. So someone will ask a question, and then all of a sudden we have to say, okay, well, what do we mean when we say this country? Do, uh, what's the time period that we're talking about here? When we talk about um, individual actors, are we talking about their cabinet? Are we talking about them as an individual, their families, their their uh, close acquaintances outside of what they do for professional work? And I think that a lot of people haven't really been given the opportunity to take that time to not immediately elicit an emotional reaction when confronted with information that is 
deeply different than what they've been interacting with their entire lives. Now, again, we are not here to sit on oh, uh, he said, she said, right or wrong, um, beat down, drag out fight. We are here to kind of say, hey, we want to make a, a very beautiful space where you can ask dumb questions. <laughs> you can you can ask really contentious questions. You can You can come and sit down and talk to somebody who believes something so radically different from you uh, and still wants to stay there to have the conversation because it means that you're both willing to learn from each other. And I think that is not a space that is utilized or provided enough for uh, people of our generation, people going into peace building, um, security, people talking about this region enough. And so Ben and I really wanted to make us make El Fusaic that space. Wow. I mean, amazing. And almost, I mean, I suppose it's almost peace building um, in a certain way. And if you kind of talk about social cohesion in these different spaces. And I think it's so interesting because it's a skill that I think a lot of people are losing. As you say, quick reaction, you must have an opinion. Um, and, you know, what I, I wanted to ask you a little bit what you mean by mosaic thinking, but it seems that it's kind of nuanced thinking, thinking with complexity, understanding that things are just really incredibly complicated and sometimes you actually can't really have a simple opinion because often if you have a simple and, and certain opinion on something, you just haven't understood it enough. I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at, but this is oh, 100%. Yeah. The most beautiful mosaics that you can think of have so many colors and pat patterns and shapes and designs and uh, glossiness and so much color and excitement. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's like the the most intricate, exciting, gorgeous geometric designs have a whole bunch of stuff going on with them. Um, to Megan and myself, that's what Alphuzek should be is he, if you want to learn about the history of X. OK, well, let's talk about their fashion, their culture, their food, their history, their geography. Oh, you have to talk about the trade routes and the ancient empires, blah, blah, blah. You, you need all of these components, um, a mosaic or a kaleidoscope even. Um that's definitely what we what we have championed with mosaic thinking is this space of alfusaic is a combo of two words that both mean mosaic and a cultural overlap from an American perspective to the Middle Eastern one. However, our writers are from all over the globe and have this background in whatever thing they're interested in and can learn from one another, talk, talk to one another. We, we often host... Um, you know, book clubs from the books on our website that I recommended or movie nights to engage with culture in that way, language learning spaces, mentorship, so many different ways to really deepen this network and connection. Um, and of course, you know, read through their website. If you're interested in one thing, you're going to go down some really fun rabbit holes because things are hyperlinked. Our, our articles talk to one another. One article will reference another article that references the third, you know, to talk through this whatever issue or awareness or analysis piece. So, yeah, I would say that's a really great definition of mosaic thinking is this uh, nuanced, c colorful, multi-shaped <laughs> perspective when it comes to, you know, international issues. And, and I suppose, I mean, that's that's the Middle East and the Middle East is just such a complicated thing. And I mean, what even does that mean? And you can go down so many rabbit holes. And I think in order to even try to understand the region, you have to be able to hold so many contradictions in your mind at once. 
I feel like sometimes I get asked the simplest questions and I will go on a rant because it's just, they're all like interwoven and interconnected. It's contradictory and I don't understand. And um, so I think it's a perfect approach <laughs> for a remarkably, uh, yeah, complicated area. I think one thing that you kind of have both mentioned a little bit is the misconceptions about the region. Um, and, and Megan, you mentioned that a lot of people, when they learn FUSHA, they, they learn UN before anything else and, and you know, car bomb and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that is kind of what we see. So I, what are kind of some of the biggest misconceptions that you see about the Middle East? And what what is the conception that you would like people to take away about the Middle East from Althusaic or even just from you or this conversation? Those are both really great questions. I think in my studies, everything that had to do with Southwest Asia and North Africa was all about how it benefited or did not benefit the United States. Now, obviously, that's a very Western perception, um, particularly because I was in a Western education system. But I think that being able to understand that that is a perception and not the only perception is really important. Deconstructing our understanding of history um, and the way in which history is being presented to us and culture is being presented to us is so, so important. And I think that Unfortunately, El Fuseg doesn't have one goal in mind. It would be easier to talk about if, if it did. But I think what the main lesson that you should take away from visiting the website is that there's just so much that we don't know. I don't even want to say there's so much you don't know because we also don't know so much. Um, and it would take multiple lifetimes to really truly fully understand all of it. But that's why we're here, to take the time to to teach ourselves, to learn from others, um, and to engage with one another in, you know, if not diplomatic, at least a congenial way. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of times it can feel like a slog. It just, it's so complicated to sit there with an argument and, and go back and forth and be like, okay, well, what if we're calling this person this thing, but we're not calling them this thing? Like, what does that actually mean? If there are four different names for a war, why are there four different names for this war? Where do they all come from? But I think, I hope that people kind of can get through that frustration and just feel a bit more patient, right? Because there is so much information out there. Uh, given the internet and the way that te technology is advancing, there will be so much more information out there going forward. So take time with it, you know? Um, and, and really, you know, do a service to yourself, do a service to those around you. Um, I think it's what we owe to each other as people who who live in the global community who are interested in giving back, um, just take the time to understand uh, some of the stuff that you're engaging with. Yeah, we're all struggling. <laughs> True. I, I think Alphuzek was set up to be the resource that Megan and I wish we had when we were going through school. I think that's probably the, the first thing I'd like to say is that a 
I'm not going to say all in one because there's so many pieces that aren't on our site yet, but a a centralized platform where there's language learning, recipes, ancient history, modern politics, analysis, books to read, podcasts to listen to, musicians to engage with, and more. To have that in one space that all is with the same goal of showcasing the multi-dimensions of the region is something that I think is Alfusek's biggest goal and the conception that we hope to or the misconception we hope to dispel is that the Middle East is not one thing. It's not at all a monolith. Um, really, no region of the world is, but let's just focus on the Middle East for right now. Um, and so, you know, the fact that you can go down these really cool uh, article rabbit holes as they talk to one another, or so we have some articles that have two, two different analysis and analytical perspectives on them on the same topic on our site. So you can see different, you know, reactions or different, hyperlinks, different conversations, different uh, professional articles and journal entries and academic books, etc. There is this wider space for dialogue and conversation. And that's something that I've really loved about Alphusaic. Um, I think the part that I am most proud of of Alphusaic would be our, our Civilizations 101 section um, for a lot of reasons. One, because it's just really cool. And I'm definitely much a very big history nerd to explore all the ancient empires that made up the modern Middle East region as we know it today, or the modern Southwest Asia, North Africa region as we know it today. Um, But, you know, the thing I'm I'm most excited for about the ancient empires section of Civilizations 101 is to actually hop through the different periods of history of, you know, five, 6,000 years ago till, you know, 100 years ago, how did the region evolve? What were the big players? What were the inventions that were made that we still use today? like coffee or math or mail systems, all began uh, somewhere in the Swana empires. Uh, There's something that's really, really um, helpful about that too, is, you know, the communities of today, the religious ones, the ethnic ones, the linguistic ones, etc., all span from some of these ancient um, empires, dynasties, kingdoms, caliphates, communities. Um, And to sort of see that as it interfaces with modern times is something I think is really important for... um, the students and people related to the Middle East, North Africa, or Southwest Asia, North Africa regions to really learn about is, oh, this community traces its its roots here. This language comes from this, you know, area. This, uh, you know, political system we have is actually the same political system 5,000 years ago. I, I think those are really cool conversations that can be had and can help definitely um, break down some misconceptions about the region because you can see the, you know, historical precedents there. I think the other thing that I, I love about Alphusaic um, is that it's not just, this is, I think, a blessing and a curse in a way, that it's not just one thing. It's it's really a multitude of um, resources, articles, books. Like, you can just focus on the history section or website and have a wonderful, wonderful time, and you don't need to go any wider if you don't want to, but you can. And I think that's something that's really lovely is that there is this like wider cultural uh, exchange element with our site, whether that be, you know, the travel blogs or the recipes or, or whatever else it may be. Um, I also know that there are similar, not necessarily to the full extent of Alphusaic, but like cultural packages, give or take, for some other regions of the world. Like, you know, learn this dance, try this food, read this book. Okay, here's a great little like insight to another city. Um, but the Middle East, North Africa, or, you know, Swana regions don't really have that same um, emphasis of here's a really cool thing to, you know, prepare you if you travel here or to learn about or to have a pen pal with. Um, and that's really uh, one of the the many uh, places that Alphusaic has hoped to fill. So 
there's a lot of misconceptions that I hope we're breaking by having a variety of very different types of articles, types of formats and showing that information, but then also all of the tagging system. You know, if you if you learn much better through maps, we have like eight or nine interactive maps on so many different topics on our site. So you can explore different parts of the area that that article is talking about. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing is explore, go play on our website, see all these different pieces um, because it was created with the sense of sharing that writer's knowledge and interest and building out a, a you know, ever-growing library of resources for people to be connected to. It's really incredible what you guys have been able to achieve in 18 months. I mean, the website is amazing. There's so many resources on it. Um, and Ben, you did preempt my question about your favorite part or something that you want to highlight on Alphusaic. So I'm, I'll ask Megan. Um, if if there's something in particular on the website that you just think that's so cool and I'm really I'm really proud of that an Irish called a podcast a section a feature. So I am going to toot my own horn for a second. <laughs> um, a while back, I got really into Middle Eastern based murder mystery books. And there's a whole section in our recommendations about mystery. <laughs> and that's almost all me um, because I kind of just fell down a rabbit hole. Um, I was missing studying abroad. I was missing um, being on the ground um, because I haven't been able to travel with COVID and whatnot. And I followed the Makata mystery series. And I just, I read all of them, all of the ones I could get my hands on. And I wrote about them immediately. Um, but I think to Ben's point, that is kind of one of the wonderful things about Alphusaic. We have the space to look at stuff that's so niche and something that you would not really think about at all. So many people ask me, um, my favorite part of writing for Alphusaic, and I definitely talk about my murder mystery um, series based all around uh, the Levant and the Gulf. Um, and people kind of are taken aback when I tell them that just because they don't expect that to be a thing that is even part of a genre. Um, and I just enjoyed it so much. And I love each and every one of those books so much that I highly recommend them to everyone and anyone. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people who was really not expecting that answer, um, but noted, and uh, I'll put it on my list. Um, if people want to get involved, how can they engage? If people want to write or if they want to um, get involved in some way in this community, how can they do so? Yeah, great question. Um, so everything is on our website, alfusaic.net, A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C.net. If you want to write uh, and share your knowledge on whatever corner of the Mina Swana region interests you, there's a uh, write for us button at the very top of our site. Um, the you know best way to showcase you know your podcasting skills or graphic design or your interest in hummus or murder mysteries or travel or, or whatever else it may be, Alphazay can definitely be a place for you. Um, we have an ever-growing list of content writers, so come join us. Um, we also host live events occasionally and, and hope to host more events with the Real Arabic Podcast down the road. So listeners, uh, stay tuned for some fun uh, 
Arabic learning days, we might dissect a root or something. Who knows? Get, get excited. Um, but really, you know, as, as Megan and I have, have hopefully made it pretty clear throughout this conversation today is there are so many different dimensions to Althusaic. Um, you know, yes, we are a writing publishing space, but there are so many opportunities to, to deepen that, whether that be, you know, we talk all about hummus recipes and then we cook together one day. Who knows? There are really cool spaces to engage, collaborate, connect, um, and everything is centered on our website. We're also, one of the biggest reasons that I love our name is that because it's not a real word in any language, we don't have any numbers or letters or any weird you know, symbols after it. So on all social media, we're just Al Fusaic, everywhere you need. <laughs> so it makes it a little bit easier that way too. Yeah, I thank my parents every day for making up my first name because I have the exact same advantage. <laughs> there you go. Um, fantastic. I mean, really excited to see what we do together um, and the different projects and, and things that we come up with together. Um, and it was such a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, thank you again. This is a blast. You as well. Thank you so much.